Okay, and we're live. So the discussion that we want to have this week um, with the international break that's happened, obviously, it would be fun to have a bit of a, a discussion around England and where we think England are, where we think England are going, and basically what our, our general views on the England setup. So whenever you talk about England, there's always one debate that always seems to like kind of rattle around in everyone's head is, is Gareth Southgate the right man for the job? So, without any further ado, Benj, what's your opinion? I think that there's two ways to look at this. So, a lot of people will say, should Southgate have or be sacked as England manager based off the recent performances? I think the answer to that is no. I don't think... The FA should sack him because I think he's done well enough to have the backing from the FA to keep him there. However, I do think that after the World Cup performance, which some people might say we've done, I, I don't think we've done amazing to be honest with you. But I think after the World Cup performance, I feel there was grounds for Southgate to walk there and the kind of whole should I or shouldn't I let me take some time away and my family was probably a good thing for him but I, I don't think he's in my opinion I, I think he should, probably should have gone but you know maybe he's due one more tournament maybe you're at 2024 is his last one um okay so I'll say my opinion um I don't think among our circles it's been um up for debate my opinion that I don't think Southgate has been the right man for the job um, I I liked I liked the idea of Southgate when we first got him. Obviously, he'd worked with the youth team, he knew the players, and he was going to be the man that kind of moved away from sort of the old England guard, like the old uh, England players, and usher in this new era of talented young footballers that were going to take over the England team. And I think he's been mildly successful. I think his downfall has been himself, in my honest opinion. And it came after the first World Cup that he was in charge of, where I think he had some tactical naivety. The first time I, like the crack started to appear for me, we played Colombia. And I remember it well because we was in Barcelona watching the game Yeah. in a bar where one side of the bar was England fans and one side of the bar was Colombians. And we were watching the game. And it was a game where we were winning. We looked comfortable. We should have won that game comfortably. But then, I can't remember if it was like a goal up. He decided to go defensive. And then, lo and behold, Columbia get back in it and force the game into penalties. And yeah. it's like, you look at the top managers. Like You look at, for example, uh, recent performances of teams like Liverpool against Man United. Man City sometimes when they play. Arsenal when they play. When they go a goal up, they don't stop. They, they push on, they, they keep going. They get two, they get three, they, they basically kill the game off. And I don't think Southgate's tactics are ever to kill the game off. He always like gets a goal up and then thinks, right, now defend it. And we've had the same issues in other times as well. Like, um, was it... Uh, I think it might have been the same World Cup. Actually, we played Croatia in the semi-finals, I do believe. Yeah, yeah, when we lost. Yep, and again we went a goal up. I think it was a was it a Trippier free kick that we scored. Yeah, 
Um, we all believed. That was the time we believed that was. It was. We went a goal up, Trippier, and then suddenly it's, okay, sit back and defend it. And, of course, we ended up losing that game. And it, it's yeah. it's kind of been a running theme of for Southgate that I think throughout his time there is that he makes decisions that you don't necessarily agree with. Against Italy, we were winning that game. We then allowed them back into it. And it's like, you know, you're in a final. I get it. You don't want to, like... You, you want to try and give yourself the best opportunity of winning. And then I can't understand why, if that's the case, you bring Rashford on for penalties. Yeah. Like, you bring Rashford on, like, at the end of the game, they've got Chiellini, they've got Bonucci, they're not fast. They've been playing the full 90 minutes, stick Rashford up top and let Rashford run at them. You know, Saka was causing them problems all game, like, the or since he came on. Like... There was an opportunity there for England to bring on Rashford, bring on, I don't know, Jaden Sancho, bring on like these fast players who could get at their back four and really put them under pressure. But instead he almost kind of went, okay, we'll just take it to penalties. Which, as an England fan, or as an English person, like you know that England and penalties don't go well together. Yeah. Yeah, historically they don't do that. Yeah. But the thing, the thing with defending though is that it's not like the olden days where you can just put bodies behind the the ball and you know teams automatically default to just pumping the ball into the base. It's not really like that anymore and I think you've got to be clever and you've almost got to play in an offensive type of manner to defend well and I just don't think Southgate's fully got that because when he attacks I actually don't think there's a problem. I think we you know we score a lot of goals under Southgate but it's almost like when we come up against a more tricky opponent or a team perceived to be the same or better than us, that he has to just try and keep it all sturdy at the back and safe and protected and stuff. And it's just not... We, we're better on the front foot. You can take France in the World Cup, the one just gone, you know, losing 2-1. But I think if we don't sit back, especially for large parts, I think we can go on and win that. And, we, you know, we get the equaliser and then all of a sudden we go a bit more neutral and it just... It's just wrong football tactics from him a lot yeah. of times. I'd, I'd love to see him just, just go for it. I'd love to, for, you know, to see Southgate at some point to say, you know what, let's just um, let's just play attacking football from the start. I think like when you look at our defence, okay, there's question marks over people like Maguire. But no matter what Maguire's Man United form has been like, his England form has always been good. Yeah. Uh, John Stones is a good defender. Carl Walker's a good defender. Then whoever they decide to play at left back, um, Luke, I'm, I'm, Shaw. Luke Shaw would be the the number one, or you've got Chilwell. Um, you know, England have got a good back four where they can rely on, like they can take pressure. I, I feel like um, with the players that England has got, he he kind of plays a bit more negative, where he'll play, for example, Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice in midfield, where both of those two players. Like their jobs are to break up the play. Like Rice is, oh, you know, Rice is good at going forward, but you know he's he's more there to break up the player than try and get the ball like to the attacking players. And then you've got Calvin Phillips who does the same job. It will be good, you know, to play one of them and maybe stick on another attacking player and you know another attacking midfielder maybe, you yeah. know, and really take the game to teams. But I feel like South gets quite stuck in his way where it's like this is how I want to play, so this is how I'm gonna play. And I don't think, on all account, I don't think that's that's a bad philosophy to have because you'll you'll find a lot of managers that do have their own unique way of playing football. Like 
you could say obviously Guardiola he's he's got a certain style Jurgen Klopp he's got his own certain style and you know maybe teams are, are figuring that out now but I think with the choice of players that he has as well I mean defensively there's probably not much room but he's finding very stuck with the, the players that he picks and maybe that that could be an issue like I, I mean why is Calvin Phillips I like Calvin Phillips but why is he in the England team, like he's played what five or six games for Man City. Well, I think like we, we can leave the Calvin Phillips because that's uh, a point for a later question that I that yeah. I want to bring up. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. But like when you say Jurgen Klopp, for example, one thing that always sticks in my head is that uh, Liverpool had Real Madrid in the Champions League final. We we lost that game three uh, one, and obviously, you know, there was two goalkeeper mistakes. So what does Klopp do? He goes out, he buys a new goalkeeper, he shakes things up, he, he reinvents the team. It's like when England go into a final against Italy, you expect them, okay, I've learned, like as a manager, you, you'd expect them to go, okay, I've learned my lesson now. I know where the mistakes were. I know how to fix them. And then he'd change them. But when you're looking at like multiple tournaments now where you're going, oh, he went a goal up against Colombia. He then sat back. The game went to penalties. He went a goal up against Croatia we sat back we lost the game we go a goal up against Italy we sit back we lose on penalties and against France you know it, it wasn't that that France team in my opinion was there for the taking yeah know? absolutely um but we never looked like uh, it, you know don't be wrong in the first half against France we looked like we could go out there and win that game but it was like as the game kind of went on we were dropping deeper and deeper and deeper and it, it it's not just the France game look at um how we played against America we were under the caution that game, and you know we were lucky to come away from that game with a draw. Um, you know it, it just looked like they were more up for it than us, and it leads on to other other issues that I have as well in terms of like tactics. There's a lot of time where I see Harry Kane drop into the halfway line to pick up the ball, and then suddenly you realise that you've got two fast wingers either side, and Kane hasn't got the pace to keep up with them when they're looking to get the ball in the box. Yeah. You know, England look a lot more dangerous when when Kane's in the middle, you know, mixing it up with the with the centre back, and then you've got your two two wide players looking to get the ball into him. Whereas there's a lot of times when England are playing where Kane will drop really deep, and it kind of ruins our chances in that attack because then Kane's not up to speed with the rest of the play, and it's just something that's been there from the start. So, yeah, I mean, if you t- if you look at stats, so I mean, Southgate's win. Percentage rate for England seventy point three percent, you know, which when you look over it, it's a good record, right? But, but I think the play? games that well, that I mean, that is you know a decent question, but you know, at, at international level, yeah, you know, but you're if, only going to get a handful of but big if, teams, aren't you? Yeah, but you know, it, it's easy to say, okay, we'll go out and beat teams like Moldova, uh, Luxembourg, and teams like that. But if our win percentage against the bigger nations is a lot less well, than that, it, yeah. And then you know you're never going to win a World Cup unless you compete a big team. And... Yeah, and that's that's the one thing. Is it is it like last nine in fourteen of the of the so-called big countries or something along them lines anyway? And it just goes to show that tactically against a bigger team, whether he's worried, whether he just you know doesn't feel confident attacking, but it just shows that something's not right. And just going back to the Jurgen Klopp statement you mentioned about you know goalkeeper messed up bought a new goalkeeper well what did Southgate learn from losing against Italy in the Euros all the way to playing France in the semis in the World Cup that England well you should have learned that England are a much better team when we're attacking 
Should have. But I don't feel opinion. like I don't feel like he did. I feel like against America, it was one example where we against America we didn't look um, like a team that was ever going to like really attack from the off. We we showed glimpses of it. Don't get me wrong against teams like Wales, but it's like if you haven't got an England team that's up for a game against you know the likes of Wales or Scotland, then you know it, it's not exactly a, a good England team. But nah. but for me, it's like against France. That French team was there for the taking on that particular day. I thought if we'd have gone for them, we'd have won that game. But I just felt the longer and longer the game goes on and England aren't ahead, the less and less likely we become to, to win that game. Yeah, it, you know, if, if Kane obviously would have scored that that second penalty, and, and I don't particularly blame Kane because, you know, nine times out of ten, he, he bags them. So it's just one of them unfortunate things. But if he scores that penalty and it's 2-2, two, two, I think it's probably on our side then because I think France were worried. Yeah. It's only because we allowed them to have the ball and allowed them to to push forward at the best of times that, you know, they, they it's a simple ball in and Giroud's always going to win headers. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that worries me is that if we'd have pulled it back to 2-2, two, two, we'd have tried to take the game to extra time and penalties. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> potentially, yeah. You know, you can't... But so, yeah, like, in my opinion, like, the first... Um, I would have probably looked to get rid of him after the Euros. I don't think I'd give him this World Cup. I think he had a claim to stay for the World Cup because, you know, we got to the final. We we looked really good the whole tournament. Um, and, you know, the young guns are through. And, you know, maybe a couple, you know, another year of maturing and playing for club level, you know, like players like Saka Foden. Would you know Bellingham would would kind of have another year of experience in the World Cup? I mean, it it okay. I mean, it's a good point, but then you look at what happened to England in the World Cup. I think we got to pretty much where the minimum of where you'd England where you'd expect England to get is pretty much where England got. Was it the quarterfinals we lost against France? Mm. You know, and it's like you you think about it. If we'd have attacked France from from the off, we'd have had Croatia. Which don't get me wrong, like Croatia are a good team. Like I think they're underrated a lot. People don't always like when you pick, picture the team that's going to get to like the World Cup semis, quarterfinals. Croatia's not always mentioned, but they've proved now for the last few tournaments that they can get there. But if England beat France and then we play Croatia and then we play Argentina, I, like I would, I would have fancied us to win that World Cup. But I think that naivety crept in, and I think that that's. It's been kind of a recurring theme for him. I suppose the other question that you'd ask is, if Southgate was to go, who would you replace him with now that Hodgson's that was, gone back to Palace? That was my question, Roy Hodgson. <laughs> but yeah. um, well, that would be my question. So if, if you would have got rid of him at that Euros, knowing the World Cup was literally the following year, um, what, who realistically would have came in? I mean, I could throw one name straight off the bat, Eddie Howe. Yeah, but... It, <laughs> He wasn't at Newcastle it. at that point, was he? I don't know. I don't see it, was he? I don't think so. I think he would have been a free agent. So it would have been easy to... Well, maybe not easy. depends on what Howe's plans were, obviously. But I think with what Eddie Howe has proved with Newcastle is that he can motivate a team. Like, OK, I know Newcastle have spent money. They've improved in certain areas. But you look at how the Newcastle team were performing before Howe took over... And afterwards, it's almost like he gave all of them a new lease of life. And I think him going into that England setup, he would have took them them to that next level. 
Um, yeah, he, Eddie Howe joined Newcastle 2021. And when was the Euro final? It was 2020, wasn't it? The Euros, 2020, yeah. So we could was have... Was it 2020? Yeah, oh. then you had the World Cup last year. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, winter this year, so... So there was a very minute window and gap to get. I mean, Eddie Howe is my natural choice. And I think personally with Newcastle, like he's done a very good job at Newcastle, but at some point they're going to want to take that next step and increase the brand, increase everything else. And I think Eddie Howe will probably become available. And that's why I think let's Southgate do the Euros because I don't think there's anyone else at the moment that can probably come in and do the job. And then after that, Euros. What about Gerard? What's uh, in my opinion, I don't. He's done all right at Rangers. Win a season unbeaten, took the the throne off Celtic. You know, won the Scottish Cup, but proved nothing with Villa. Which you know, I I thought he did a great job personally. Being a <laughs> um, but he's done nothing against Villa. But I, I don't. I mean, if you put Rangers or Celtic in the Premier League, they're not going to... I don't think he would have finished in the top half of Rangers. No, I, I agree. But I, so, think, I think his attitude, I think the fact he's a former international... I know Southgate's a former international. Um, but the fact that Gerrard's been in and around the England cell for a long time, the, you know, the way he's worked himself up, I think with the... It's like I think a lot of the issue that people have with, with the likes of with Gerard is that he brought a lot of players into the Villa team that perhaps don't belong in the Villa team. I mean, I'm not obviously I'm not 100% sure if you're a Villa fan and you're watching this, um, put a comment and let us know how you feel about Gerard's performance as manager. Um, but I think when you're the England manager, you've got like obviously a limited pool of players that you can pick from. You know, could he? You know, could he? Would he play attacking football, like the style of football that he would play? I think he wouldn't be... I don't think he would be a terrible show um, if you were looking to replace uh, Southgate right now. I think I, mean, I, think that I mean, there's two things that, in my opinion, would back him up, and that's the fact that the players would play for him out of respect. Yeah. Um, and second of all, I just I do think that he, he would go and play attacking because I think his passion might might take over a little bit, which, you know, let's face it, 90% of England fans, that's what we want. We want the teams go out and would, you know, rather lose 5-4 battling than lose 2-1 and, and sitting back for half the game, you know. So, but he's, he's just in that pool of potentials that you could classify him as because he's English. And uh, for me, Eddie, Eddie Howe's the one. I, I genuinely think Eddie Howe could win a tournament for us. I think how he could. I think we had the opportunity to get how. I think he would have took the job. Like, he never had a job following on from Bournemouth. Mm. I think that if England came in and said, look, do you want to come in and take over? I think he would have done it. Um, and I think, I agree with you. I can't see him being Newcastle manager forever, but he is doing a good job for them at the moment. So I can see them kind of going, well, he's had this season. Whether they make top four or whether they finish in the top six, like, depending on, on how they do. I think if you're the owners of Newcastle, you think, well, he's earned another season. Oh, yeah. That'd be, if you're the owners of Newcastle, you'd probably give him another two years, maybe. Because, yeah. you know, they've, they've got to get in the Champions League and sustain it in there, which 
you know, you can't, it's, if you keep swapping managers, it ain't going to happen, is it? But I, I think with Southgate, though, if you flip it around and say, okay, Eddie Howe could come into England and do a job, could Southgate go to Newcastle and finish in the top six? Um, I don't think so. Could he go to uh, Chelsea and put them in the top four? So, not the moment. <laughs> I think what you've got to look at is um, you look at the teams at the top of the Premier League. Um, they they all play to their own identity. Liverpool, obviously, have got the Gengen Press heavy metal football that they, not this season, but typically they've become known for. Uh, Man City have got their, their sort of style where they're uh, very possession focused, but they also press teams in like really high up the pitch. Suffocate them, yeah. Yeah. Um, even I think Man United are starting to find their identity now that when Ten Hag first took over, he against the big teams anyway, he, he played a lot of counter attacking football. But I think we're starting to see how Ten Hag wants Man U to play right now, and that's starting to, to come true. I think. You look at each team, they have an identity which works in the way that they play. I think if you take Southgate, put him into one of them, he would probably do what Potter's doing at Chelsea. I think he'd struggle to, to sort of put... Well, personally, I don't know what his identity is. He'll be... He, he seems like a very old-fashioned type manager um, where he'd go in there and he'd be like, right, lads, we're winning 1-0. Shut up, chop now. Let, you know, let's, let's mm. hold this and get the three points, which... You know, I know back in the day, Chelsea won the league by playing that kind of football. Uh, Arsenal have been called boring, boring Arsenal in the past for playing that kind of football. But I just, I don't think that that style works nowadays. I mean, it, it doesn't. I think you are right. I think the football's moved on dramatically from the days of that. And, and that's why I think managers like David Moyes just aren't going to, you know, West Ham's probably the highest he'll get now and... You could probably say it was a good season from last season getting to the Europa Conference. Probably a fair fair argument, but I, you know I don't think you're ever going to see a manager like David Moyes win the Premier League. I think it's the the difference between a, a top Premier League team and a bottom Premier League team is that mm. you know you have some managers that are very good at surviving, like knowing what it takes to avoid relegation, and then you have some managers who will come in, they'll completely change a club over from top to bottom, reinvent them, put their own stamp onto that club, make them play a certain way, then suddenly they're battling for, you know, top half of the table, top six, top four, and for the title. And you look at the teams at the top, they all seem to have that manager with that identity. And I think, you know, Tottenham are struggling because they've had a lot of managers with a lot of identities. And they don't really have the time to implement those identities. Uh, but the, the teams that have kind of been sticked, like you look at Arsenal, for example, it was last year that people were saying Arteta should get the sack. Yeah, he's been given time to perfect his identity, bring the players that fit his philosophy, and now it looks like they're they're probably going to win the league. Um, Liverpool, they've you know, yeah, you know, you can argue well, Klopp's earned the his like Liverpool are going through a bad patch now, and a lot of you know you, you see the press saying that Klopp could leave and everything else, and a lot of people say yeah, but Klopp's got enough credit in the bank to be able to stay at Liverpool, but you know. Liverpool wasn't always winning leagues when he first took over. You know, they lost Champions League finals. They um, finished, I think it was fourth in this first season. Liverpool, you know, they, they still stuck with him knowing there was a long-term plan. And I think, you know, that that's kind of what you got to have in mind in the Premier League. But we'll move it back to the England debate. And 
uh, rather fittingly talking about Liverpool and Klopp, the next question I have is, does Trent Alexander-Arnold belong in the England team? Um, I think right now you could argue a case that no, he shouldn't be in the England team. And when you say the... England team, are you are you are you meaning the England squad or just the starting eleven? Oh yeah, starting eleven. I mean, take him to tournaments, of course, because he's an asset. But yeah. in the starting eleven, no, I think there is a bigger case or a bigger argument for either Kieran Trippier or Carl Walker to be the main right back. Yeah, I think Kieran Trippier is far more. Uh, he's got his head leveled, I think, whereas um, Trent's a bit more sporadic in how he plays. Like, you know, one minute is, and he's learned from it, for, obviously, from the way that club plays, but one minute is so hot at the field that he can't get back. And then when he does get back, if you put him up against, you know, a class winger in the world, you know, Trent's not a good defender either. Whereas I think Trippier and, and Walker have more about them. Okay. I mean, I agree with that. Um, I think I was kind of like, the question was, was kind of designed looking at the fact that um, Southgate didn't select Trent at all, which I think was a mistake. I think that you would take Trent. Um, looking at it his... depends also what you want to do, though. Sorry to interrupt, but if you're going to take him specifically as a right back, then I guess there probably is an argument not to take him because you've also got Reese James, which, you know, you could probably argue is better than Trent. I think wow. I think that Trent Trent deserves a place for his crossing ability, his free kick ability, like um, the fact he can set up goals. I think that if you're struggling to break a team down, Trent's a good player to bring on to be able to unlock that door. Um, I don't think I think Trent's not the best defender in the world. I, I think that's quite an obvious thing to say. Um, but I think that he has a merit being in the England squad. Like there is a place for him there, and I think he might. Be, I I kind of agree with what you're saying. I think he might be like hindered by the fact that England seems to be blessed with a lot of good right backs at the moment. Um, but I think is is Trent's right foot better than Kieran Trippier's right foot? I would say so. So I think there's an argument there that it, it might not be. I mean, I can see what what you're saying. I think free kick wise, Trippier is, is. I don't know actually. Trent's really good at free kicks. Um. Because Trippier also has, you know, it, we, I mean, we're sitting here and we're saying, look, you know, we go a goal up and then all of a sudden we sit back. If we're sitting back and you've got Vinicius Junior attacking you or you know whoever it might be, Neymar, whatever, and he's down Trent's side. You know, then then the worry starts coming in. Whereas if it's down Trippier or Walker's side, you you feel a bit more calmer. Uh, yeah, I agree with what you're saying there. But I think if you're if you're losing one nil or you're drawing a game, and it's you know it's getting to like the 70th minute, and you know you need you need an option to be able to set up a goal. Like looking at England's players in general, I think that Trent. There's a good argument that Trent could come on and set something up, especially if you've got Harry Kane in the box. Yeah, but so could James Madison. Yeah, but you have more options, don't you? You know, Liverpool don't just rely on Trent to set up the goals. You know, they, they rely on Salah, Robertson, Henderson, 
um, Firmino when he plays, Darwin, Gakpo. Like, there's a lot of players that can create chances, which is why, you know, obviously take this season out of it. You look at seasons gone by, you know, Robertson and Trent were like leading the assist tables and things like that because, you know, they, they're very good at getting forward. So if we're, if we're losing 1-0 and we've got 20 minutes to go and you've got Sancho on the bench, you've got Madison on the bench, you've got Rashford on the bench, you've got, uh, I don't know, Sterling on the bench, you'd bring on Trent to replace Trippier. I think that if you've got those players on the bench, like obviously, is international five subs as well? Yes. Yeah, so you've got plenty of options for players that you can bring on in that scenario. And I think if you've got Harry Kane in the box, you're losing one nil. You you know you put in the team under pressure. You, you want someone who can whip the ball in. I, I you know as good as some of those players are, like I, I would pick Trent's ability to cross the ball to Kane above Sancho's ability to cross the ball to Kane in that moment. But I don't think bringing Trent on with twenty minutes to go is going to be massive different to Kieran Trippier staying on. Well, I mean, he's been playing for 70 minutes and, and England still aren't winning the game. But you, you could, yeah, you could argue that, you know, it's just changing the dynamic, I guess. But I don't know, I just, I, maybe it's just the wrong time. You know, maybe it needs Cole Walker to to retire just to push Trent up that extra place. But Well, I think if you're going to take Trent, you're not going to take Trent for a defender. But then you're not going to put him right wing, are you? No, but you could have him as an attacking fullback like a wing-back type thing where, you know, I'd, I'd imagine England would be playing more, you know, with Declan Rice sort of sitting in the middle, breaking up the play, almost making a back three to allow Straight you back, yeah. yeah, to allow your full-backs to push on and join the attack, similar to what Liverpool do with Fabinho. Um, well, actually, a lot of teams do it as well. When you look at Man City, they have Rodri doing that kind of position. You look at um, Man United, for example, they've got the likes of Casemiro or um, McTominay who will do that where they'll just sit in front of the defenders and make a back three so the wing-backs can push forward. I'd imagine that kind of style would suit Trent a lot more than it would suit the other the other team, the other players that we talked about. Um, like, I'm not saying... I don't think Trent should start for England. I think when you've got Kyle Walker, like, he's got to start for England. He's the best right-back that we've got. I think Trippier for me. Really? I, I, yeah. I, I think I'd, I'd still go for Kyle Walker. Uh, I think Trippier is obviously a good backup to have for Kyle Walker. And then you've got the likes of Rhys James and Trent to fight for it. But I think when you're picking Calvin Phillips, who I think has only had 56 minutes worth of football this season for Man City, to not take Trent, who's played yeah, pretty much every yeah. game, is a bit, you know, it's it's another reason why I don't think Southgate is, is the right man and, for the job. Yeah. And this rolls back to what I said earlier about Southgate's stuck in his own way with the players. It's almost like he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to be adventurous. No, like I'm not a huge fan of him, but everyone knew that Grealish should have been in the team. Yeah, in the years, yeah, he's just he was so reluctant to even pick him, let alone bring him on. Yeah, I agree, and also I feel like Foden um, probably has deserved more time in England in the England team than what he's mm. had. I think that he is very much, as you say, I think he's very stubborn in the way that he, he's he got, a, in his head, he has a starting 11, and as long as they're fully fit, that starting 11 will play. Yeah, but you could say it about Lowe, you know, so, I mean, Jordan Pitford's obviously the, the man that's in the net, but why isn't Nick Pope? 
Would... I quite like Pitford, but I, I do think Pitford's... I wouldn't pick Pickford. I, um, I I agree with what you're saying about Pope, but for me, I'd pick Ramsdale for the England keeper. Yeah, and then, you know, we've got other players. Like, for me, I, I can't understand why Harvey Barnes for Leicester isn't in the England set because he causes problems week in, week out in the Premier League. And, yeah, he's not the best player in the world, but put him up against a basic fullback in international level, he's going to kill teams. Well, you look at England historically, the one position we've always had problems with is left wing. And then you've got Harvey Barnes who... He plays left wing for Leicester, and he actually plays it very well, I think. Um, Does it extremely well, yeah. So, yeah, there's an argument for Harvey Barnes to be in there. I think, you know, when you look at the amount of criticism, I'm kind of going back to something that I said earlier about uh, Maguire always seems to play well for England. But, you know, if, if you're picking players based on performance, then surely a player not playing for their club team is a big indicator that, you know, they should their question their position in the England squad should be questioned, and if Maguire has been at fault for so many mistakes that he was making pre um, Ten Hag coming in, to the point where Ten Hag has, has now brought in a new centre back and just completely dropped him, does he warrant his place in the England team? And the same can be said with Calvin Phillips. I thought at Leeds, don't me wrong, like I think that Calvin Phillips is a good player. I do really like him. But when you've only played like 56 minutes worth of football this season, does he deserve yeah. a place in the England team? And then Not a... starting. Yeah, so there's a lot of questions about it. And I think what he does is singles out certain players. I, I don't think he likes Trent for whatever reason. I think he has an issue with Trent. Um, Probably the same issue as he's got with Grealish. Yeah. Um, Grealish, you know, I agree with what you were saying during, you know, there's been times where games have been calling out for Grealish to come on there because of, you know, he does win free kicks in dangerous areas. He is quite creative. He, he does drive the ball into the box. And there's been games where you're calling out for that kind of player. Even Phil Foden sometimes has been sitting on the bench for the whole game. Marcus Rashford. Was it the Euros where it took Harry Kane ages to finally score a goal? It's the alien score in the, in the groups today. Yeah, and then you've got Marcus Rashford who... But I don't think you can drop Kane. Yeah, I think that here's the, the obvious choice because there's no one that naturally can replace him. I don't think you drop him, but I think when you realise that the player's having a bad game, you sort him. Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, there's a lot of times where Kane wasn't having a good game, but he refused to take him off. The only counter-argument that I would have is that you do want to find that level of continuity, right? So you take club teams. Once they found that starting eleven that's working, they tend to carry on playing bar injuries and suspensions. And you know that's probably what he's doing with with England. But I just think that, for example, Calvin Phillips, I don't think for ninety percent of the games, I don't think we need a Calvin Phillips and a Declan Rice on the same pitch. Yeah, we could you know replace him for. You know, another central midfielder who doesn't have to be overly attacking if you don't want to, you know. Because obviously you've got Bellingham that you can do the box-to-box kind of role. But then you could have someone like, um, I don't know, like a Mason Mount or you could put like Phil Foden more centrally, James Ward-Prowse. Madison. My opinion, yeah, James Madison. You know, you could have that kind of extra utility player that can kind of just sit there let Bellingham have the legs and they just kind of use it as the, that second bit of a push or whatever. But he's just, you know, he's he wants to play that 4-2-3-1 and it's, I don't know, for me, it's just not, I don't think we will win 
a tournament with Southgate? No, and I think it's, I think in some ways it annoys me in the sense that have we had our best chance to win a tournament? I think the Euros... Under, South, under Southgate or in general? In general, like I think the last, the World Cup just gone was a very good chance for England and the Euros before that was a very good chance for England. Like those were two like tournaments that we were involved in where you kind of look at it and you think these are two really good chances for England to actually win something there. And both times I think we were let down um by I don't want to say like managerial decisions, but I feel like naivety crept in. I think I think what's the best thing to say, like the reason why we've lost certain games is because Southgate was outclassed by another manager. Like Mancini, for example, knew how to play that game. Um, France, they knew how to play that game as well. Um, and then well, the... I, I don't, I don't overly agree with that in terms of the France game because I think we had France where exactly where we wanted them. So I just you... think what? I think he was semi-reluctant Southgate when we went back to one-one. I think he was reluctant to go full steam ahead in, in pursuing that second goal. Yeah, so that's what I mean, though. It's like manager managerial naivety where... From Southgate, not from Dave Jones, because I, I think France, I don't think they they could cope with us when we attacked. Yeah, but what I mean is, though, like Dave Jones knew that they weren't playing very well and he knew how to exploit England in certain situations. Like, obviously... Giroud coming on and or I can't remember if Giroud started but you know having that player that he knew that if you give him a chance in the box and like he's going to score goals Grealish being that sort of playmaker in the middle I think even though France were playing bad he knew Giroud Griezmann Griezmann sorry not Grealish <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah like having like like he, he knew that the in, the way I saw it is he kind of knew that the game wasn't going to be won by a stunning Mbappe goal. He knew it was going to be a scrappy goal that was going to win it. And then having a Probably. player having a player like Giroud in the box, who you know is you know a poacher in many respects, and and if the ball falls down to him with half a chance, you kind of wanted to fall to Giroud. And... But if we just if we'd have been pushed up, you know, ten yards, yeah, you. you... Slightly more at risk for Mbappe, but I think we control. Carl Walker done a job on Mbappe all game. I think it was yeah. one time he got around him, and that was it. Yeah, and you know, but we we went to this low block, and yes, it was a corner which was cleared, then a, a quick throw, blah 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 blah. But the thing is that if you're gonna sit back like that, and you've got players like you in the box, it only takes one or two crosses before he gets his head to it. Yeah, uh, I agree, and I think you that know, push out, get yeah. ten, fifteen yards up the pitch. But then, like, those are the kind of mistakes that I was referencing earlier on that where, like, you lose against Italy in the final on penalties where you think to yourself, okay, why didn't you bring Rashford on half an hour earlier at the start of extra time? Mm. You know, why didn't you take the game to Italy? You know, Italy wasn't playing particularly well. Like, they were there for the beating, you know, we went a goal up. And then it was just this kind of naivety that, that kind of let Italy back into it. And then the decision to bring on Rashford just to take a penalty, I think, was... Oh, crazy. Yeah, it was a shocking decision. But then, crazy. as you said, though, like, going back to the, the clock point, I got realised that, you know, he wasn't going to win anything with Carrier, so therefore went out and bought a new goalkeeper and replaced that kind of weakness. And you said, well, what does Southgate learn? 
Well, then you look at the Brands game, he's learned nothing because it was the same sort of style. We didn't push up forward, we didn't try and we didn't take the game to them, we didn't really attack them. Don't be wrong, I'm not saying we played badly, but we could have won that game if we'd have been large spells in that first half. We were brilliant, yeah, and that's why France were worried, yeah. And if we'd have just pushed up on the five yards higher than what we were, then the I... second that we got that set that equalizer, we should have took the game to them and really pushed them, you know, and and made them it's panic. The it's the same when we scored against Italy in five, inside two minutes or five minutes, whatever. If we carry on there, I guarantee we're turning up inside 20 25 minutes and we're coasting that game. Yeah, take get into half time at 2 0. And then, if you know, at that point, if you're thinking, okay, we're 2 0, there's 45 minutes left, then sit back, don't rest on a 1 0 win, you know. Yeah, but then if you look at the friendly the other night against Italy, we've done exactly that 2 0 up first half, acing it, probably could have been three or four. Second half, we come out the mentality, hey, right, guys, let's defend this 2 0. It goes to 2 1, a man sent off, and we could have, you know, easily drew that game. Yeah, so, you know, I. I think that, you know, the naivety is there and I think the naivety is sticking there and I think, you know, unless he wins the Euros, I, I just don't think Southgate should have um, a part in That's what I mean, yeah. I think the, the Euros for me is, is this next one's got to be his last tournament. Um, I, th- I think he goes either way. I think if he wins the Euros, Southgate, Southgate quits. I think he quits as a manager who's won an international tournament for England. He goes out, he bows over his head how high, you know. You know, sign off when you're winning rather than you know risk becoming the villain in the next tournament. And then I think if he doesn't win the next tournament, the Euros, then England should look elsewhere for another option. Yeah, it's a tricky one because I feel like if he wins it, you know, apart from obviously 66, you know, the first manager to go and do something, um, a young squad as well, so a lot of potential to to kick on. But I mean, for me. I just hope that it falls that, you know, of course we hope that we win the Euros, but it falls into a, a situation where Eddie Howe is then free and then we can just take Eddie Howe because he ain't scared of anyone. He'll go and attack, he'll play his football. Yeah, I actually really like the way that Eddie Howe plays football. Um, as you say, they're not, they're not scared of anyone. They take the game to everyone that they play. Um, and I think playing that style of football with England in the time that we've got, we will disrupt a lot of teams and we will, you know, will force yeah. them I think what Howe does like the way that he he plays with Newcastle like he forces teams back he forces them into their own box he forces them to make mistakes and I think when you've got an England you know the, some of the players that England have got you're penning teams back it's, it's just yeah. a matter of time before that England team finds a breakthrough but okay. it leads into another interesting question um, you were talking about a lot of um talent that England have got one of those players is Harry Kane and obviously he's not getting younger he's England's all-time top goal scorer he's been leading the line for England for quite some time now mm. when Kane finally decides to hang up his boots who do you replace him with I think that there's many different things to consider here there's a lot of different variables because if you're saying he's going to hang up his boots and Safegate is still in charge of England, then that's a lot harder to answer than if you say he hangs up, but Eddie Howe is in charge of England. Because what it feels like and appears to me is that Safegate likes that number nine who drops a little bit deep, but then gets in the box, wins headers, all that kind of good stuff, flicks on. And I don't think we have 
a direct replacement for that. I think you're probably looking at maybe Tammy Abraham or Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but I don't think any of them really step up to to the level that Kane's at. But if a different manager comes in, a younger manager or a more exciting manager, whatever, you know, they may feel like Rashford's the number nine. Well, you know, the number 10 does that job or Ivan Tony does the job or Ali Watkins and Villa can run all day or, you know, Patrick Bamford, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose what what you're looking for or the question that you're asking is who's the long-term successor? Obviously, you know, you've named a lot of, or you've you've named a couple there of England players who could come in a striker. But who, who do you see as replacing Kane? Like, not, I understand what you're saying about the flick-ons and stuff, but just in terms of being an out-and-out goal scorer for England, like someone who's going to lead that line, you know, a number nine who, can, assuming that we're still playing like a 4 2 3 one style formation or a 4 3 3 where they're going to be the sole striker. Yeah. Who do you play? Who, who replaces Kane? Who's the most natural replacement that you can think of right now? I think if you're just going to go for someone who's just, their job is just put the ball in the net. That's it. Then I think there's... There's Billups. two that I would, well, yeah, if we can bring him out of retirement, yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's there's two naturals, then I think there's one that might be on the edge, but I actually think will be a decent striker for England. So the, the two naturals would be Dominic Calvert-Lewin and right now, maybe Callum Wilson. Yeah. I think he can run the line. I think he closes down well. But Goal scoring wise, I think probably lets him a little bit down. You know, you can probably say Abraham, but his goal scoring is quite poor, really, yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Um, and then I think the the more sort of one that I think we should consider is Eddie Nketiah from Arsenal. Okay. Yeah. No. Scores goals. He's exciting. He chases. He's loads of stamina. Um, you know, he chases loose balls, dead balls, close down the kick. Like it's just. For me, it's just got everything that would make his position in the England team a very exciting one. And, you know, imagine the front four. You know, if you got Saka, Rashford, and Ketia and Bellingham behind. Yeah, or, well, I mean, you could even go um, a bit different to that. So you could have, like, keeping Bellingham in the team, but more as a, a traditional box to box midfielder. You'd have Saka one side. Um, Foden. Foden would come into there. You'd have um, Anketi out front. You could even play Sterling if you wanted to on the opposite flank. Like There's, there's a, an outright attacking four players that you could have there. And then you could yeah. have Bellingham as your box-to-box with someone like Declan Rice or Calvin Phillips as more of your defensive-minded midfielder. I think that could work. I think that'd be quite exciting. Um, I, I, don't, I can't see it happening with Southgate being no. in charge. Um, but I'd like, you know, I, would, I wouldn't mind a man just coming and go, you know what, we're going to play this. Um, I think I agree with your choices. I think the obvious standout one would be, um, I think as an out-and-out replacement, I think the only one we've got close is Calvert-Lewin. I don't, Callum Wilson, yeah, I, could, I agree. I, I think Calvert-Lewin's ability in the air kind of like stands up with Kane's. Obviously Kane yeah. is, is the better player in my opinion, but he has that. Um, in his back. Um, yeah, I think Callum Wilson would be... You've also got like, Ivan Tony as 
a here and now direct replacement potentially. I do like Ivan Tony, but I don't know. He's in trouble like now, isn't he, with match fixing scandals or betting or something like that? Yeah, but if he is, as long as he doesn't get an actual ban, which I don't know what's going on. <laughs> as long as he doesn't bet against England and then we lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think that the, the more there's two ways to look at it. Is that, you know, if, if Kane can't play in Euro 2024, you've probably got a few potential replacements. But when Kane can't play in World Cup 2026, then you know you're also then removing the likes of Callum Wilson, even Tony, Danny Ings, if you wanted to put him in that category. Um, yeah, DCL is obviously a bit older, but then you've got these younger players which you're going to have to invest in at some point. I think if if if, if Kane can't play in 2024, I think you can't you you have to look at the form of Rashford this year. Um, yeah, absolutely. I know it will mean a change in the way that England play, but I think in order you know with with the way Rashford's been playing, it would be a worthwhile change to the England system. You know, for whatever reason, Touchwood doesn't happen, but Kane can't play in the Euros. I think that Rashford's done enough this season to say he should he should be leading the line for us. Um, I think there's other players as well. Like uh, there is one who plays in France at the moment, um, uh, Pollerin Balogun, who I believe has scored something like 16 goals in France. He's like one off Mbappe, um, and I know Southgate is. He's been reluctant at the moment to to give him an England call up, saying that he doesn't want to just give people call ups for the sake of it or get him to, to pick a nationality. But again, one goal off Mbappe in the French league, not playing for PSG, is definitely something that you should be looking at. That's it. Um, and outside of them, I, I think I'll probably go and get here as well. I mean, he's doing good things with Arsenal and fair enough you can probably argue that you know as soon as Gabriel Jesus is fully fit that Nketiah returns to the bench but I suppose my argument like is Nketiah a striker or is he doing a job for Arsenal which don't get me wrong he's doing the job well but is it his natural position or is he just filling in yeah no he's a striker and I think is I think between him and Rashford you've got two players who can score goals I think them two not saying change to like a four four two or anything, but my choice would be between those two, and whoever doesn't start would be on the bench. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you, you kind of look at it now, and you, you kind of think, okay, you know, England have been blessed with strikers over the years. But when you look at the likes of Lineker, Shearer, uh, Rooney, Owen, like we have been blessed with like a lot of good strikers. Kane now, I think. Looking at what we currently have, it's difficult to say who's going to be Kane's natural replacement. And I think that in some ways it's bad because you you know we've always relied on these kind of big strike these powerful strikers to to sort of lead the line for us. But it could be exciting that it ushers a new tactical change for the England man to say, okay, well we can't play the old traditional English strike up front anymore. We now have to look for a new, more modern way of playing. Yeah, I mean, Kane suits exactly how Southgate wants to play. Yeah. You know, so if, if Rooney was... If Southgate had Rooney in this setup, I don't think Rooney... I, I think he does a, a job, but I don't think Rooney does as good as what Rooney done in previous managers under Alex Ferguson and whoever the, the England managers were at the time, you know, Sven, 
uh, I don't know, Salah I think it was one game or something. I don't know. Um, um, yeah, but it's things like Capella did really burn to Fabio Capella. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. But yeah, like um, well, I I, I kind of I suppose my question would be, does Kane fit what Southgate wants to play, or is Southgate playing this way for Kane? If that makes sense. Well, that, that's what I mean. Is he's putting Kane in the squad, but I mean, what what's Kane's role at Tottenham? Because he, you know, he's not stuck on the six yard line with, no, with but, Tottenham. No, but I think that the way that Tottenham play, like Kane does drop deep, he does win the ball, and you've got two players like Kudelski. Um, I think Richarlison's done it a bit this season, but pre pre this season, Son has been that player where those two the almost, books, yeah. yeah, those two almost make the front two, which is. Something that I thought we'd see with England with maybe Kane and Rashford, where you know you've got those two players linking up to create goals for each other. You know those pair. I think they are the most successful partnership in in Premier League. Uh, Son and and Kane that is. Kane, yeah. But then when when you look at um, the way that Kane is playing for England, sometimes he he seems very isolated, and then when he's dropping the ball. Sorry, when he's dropping deep to win the ball, which I think he done quite a lot against America, he doesn't have that player that's on the same wavelength as him. So it's almost like you're losing an attack because when Kane drops deep, he wants to have a son who's going to be like making that run that he can then yeah. just pick out. The thing is, if 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 Kane's going to drop deep, then you're going to want Saka and whoever he decides to put a left, uh, just say Foden, for example, you want one of them to come inwards and go narrow, and then that's where you need your wing-backs to push on to create that wide. Because yeah. if he drops deep and all of a sudden Saka and Foden are you know, wide on the touchline, all he can do is either pass the ball back or lump it to win, but then they've got nowhere to go anyway. Yeah, and I think that's, that's been a problem for England. I think we're, we're quite one-dimensional at times. And if a team knows that they can just isolate Kane, and then it kind of ruins our attack but then you know you're kind of screaming out looking at the bench saying bring on Grealish bring on Foden like bring on something different but then he doesn't like we end up getting you know sort of you know in, in games teams know how to play against England you know it's... I think when when he plays the a pressing way and he goes attacking he goes looking for goals I think he's got himself quite well I do it's just when he wants to try and defend games. I just don't think he's he's quite good at that yet. It's, I don't think he's good enough to do that. Which I think it's quite telling when he plays two central midfielders who are quite defensive-minded that England can't defend a lead. <laughs> you know, well, you, yeah. You've got your back four, you've got your two central midfielders. You know, you, you're pulling six players there that can all sit back in front of the goalkeeper and, and try and stop from conceding. Yet, if we're defending a 1-0 lead, you pretty much know that the other team are going to score at some point. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, If Italy would have pulled it back to 2-2, you, you'd be very frustrated given the first half, but you also probably would have walked away and thought, typical. Yeah. And so, with that in mind, uh, we'll now take a look to the future. And my final question for, for this episode is, is Jude Bellingham the future of England? Absolutely. Oh, there you go. All right, <laughs> Join us next week. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think when you look at the, the, 
the talent that England have got in terms of young talent coming through. Bowden, Bellingham, like um, Enketi, as you mentioned, Saka. Like, I think that England should be positive about the future. Um, yeah. And I think in the centre of midfield, I feel like at some point, Bellingham is going to be recognised as being the best central midfielder in the world. I think his talent or his potential at the moment is ridiculous. Like, there's a reason why Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Real Madrid, Chelsea, there's a reason why those teams all want to sign him. And what, what is he now, like 19? Yeah. You know, and at 19 years old, to be, you know, talking to figures like 100 million plus. You know, there's a reason why clubs are going to be willing to pay that. I know some clubs seem to throw around money like it's going out of fashion, but when you've got a team like, um, like take Liverpool for example, um, I use them a lot, being a, being a fan obviously, but I feel like in a lot of times they make good examples. Liverpool have been very sort of restricted on the way that they spend money. They they won't just go and throw money at someone for the sake of it, and if they do, you know, the way they structure their payments and everything else. It always makes financial sense. But, you know, there's a lot of talk now about Liverpool willing to pay over £100 million to, to get him. You know, there's a reason why Liverpool would want to do that. And that's because he is, like, the potential he's got is probably probably outweighs the potential of any other player that we've got for the England team at the moment. I mean, we, we don't need to convince any England fan or football fan that Bellingham's world-class at his age. But I do think, you know, we should actually take a step back because we, we're witnessing something now which we, we haven't ever witnessed before. And that's this, this player who, you know, pro- probably the same sort of feelings as when Ronaldo was coming through the lines of, with uh, Sporting and Messi was coming through the lines of Barcelona and how the Spanish and Portuguese fans felt or Argentinian fans, you know, with, with Messi. But... This is how we should be feeling now with Bellingham because I just he's playing far older than what he should be. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching him play for Birmingham City. I think it was uh, against Blackburn Rovers or something, and he looked the most senior out of all the players on the pitch. And I think at this point in time, he was, what, 16 years old, 17 years old, yeah. something like that. You know, when you're talking about a 16, 17-year-old playing against you know seasoned professional players and looking the most professional out of all of them like you know then you're on to a good player and I think that he's made good choices for his career I think going to Dortmund I think that's the perfect choice yeah I think it's probably the best decision that he could have made at that point and I think his next step now obviously will determine a lot of how his potential goes um so yeah I, I think like I think that we don't have... I think the only other person you could say talent-wise has got the, the potential to be deemed inside that world-class bracket. And when I say world-class, I'm, you know, I'm, you're talking about players like the Luka Modric's in midfield, the, the Perlos in midfield, the Zidane's in midfield. Like, I would say that he has the potential to reach that level, um, Bellingham. And I think... I, think he's, I mean, apart from a few minor details, why, why isn't he at that level already? I just think it's it's age. I think, you know, the, when you talk about Zidane and what he'd done, he'd done it consistently over a number of, you know, many, many, many years. And I think Bellingham, he will get there and he will get that consistency. I think, you know, when he starts, 
when he leaves Dortmund and he joins a club and he starts winning trophies and championships and Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues and everything else, and he starts adding those titles underneath him, you'll see a lot more mature player. I think he's still a bit raw in some of the way in the way that he plays sometimes, um, but I think he has he has got the potential to be as good as those players for sure. And maybe not, you know, we're not even talking like in the next sort of five five seven years we you know we're talking he could be that good next year you know if he joins i think he's at that level now i mean you know you can probably take away zidane maybe i don't know who's <laughs> different brain stuff but i don't think there's there's a midfielder that's box to box in the world right now where you can say it's head and shoulders above jude bellingham okay well if, if you had the choice who would you take like luca modric in his prime or jude bellingham now jude bellingham now and I don't mean for like obviously looking at the future and everything else. No, no, yeah, just literally just you know, Modric in his prime or Jude Bellingham for one season right now. I'd take Jude Bellingham. Uh, what about players like Kevin De Bruyne? I would. I mean, that one's tricky, right? But <laughs> I think. I mean, if, if you're if you're if you've hit a stumbling block with De Bruyne. And you, you can't really say that Jude Bellingham's in the same league as Zidane at the moment. I think that's this yeah, I, I mean it. I think that De Bruyne's kind of I mean his passing's ridiculous, isn't it, right? Like, yeah. We all know that how good his foot is and stuff, but I just feel like if you think about tackling and harassing and stamina all round box to box pressing, I I, I do think Bellingham's better. Well, I, I think suppose Bruyne wins on his passing and his his shooting. I suppose though that like obviously midfielders they're not just like your your textbook. You can sign a midfielder to do a job. Each midfielder's got different roles. You're not going to sign um, Bellingham to play a, a position that you normally see with someone like David Silva, for example. Yeah, you know he's not that kind of you know neat, intricate kind of player. He's more you know say he's going to press. He's going to win the ball back. He's he's good when he's been pressed as well. Um, and he's good at picking the ball up in his own half and driving forward. So I suppose from those attributes alone, you would say, yeah, okay. I don't think there's many players in the world right now, if any, that's on par with him in terms of what he does. I just think that, you know, maybe in sort of two or three years, we'll see a Bellingham. Um, oh, of course, yeah. A yeah. more mature Bellingham where we'll look at it and go, okay, yeah, he was a bit raw before, a bit rough around the edges, but now we're seeing like, this player that's hitting his prime, like, early, which, you know, when you're talking about a player who's 21, 22 at that age, that's still, like, unbelievable. I think the perception these days, so to be class as well, world-class, so you, you need to be a starter for a big team at, like, 19 these days. Like, I, it's hard to become 25 and all of a sudden start becoming the best player. I think that world-class gets thrown around, like, too much as well. Like, any player who is good at football gets classed as world-class nowadays and you know obviously there's a reason why because clubs want to bump up the price well do you want to define what world-class means well for me i'd say world-class is messi messi ronaldo like those types of players like you know you're talking world-class you're talking the best players in the world you know you're not talking about someone who's had a good season at, at ajax you know, you... Yeah, but what, when you say best player in the world, what do you mean on natural ability, or do you mean some a player that can go to any club in any league in any country and be a good player in there? Well, a world class player would be able to go to any club at any league in any country and do it. 
So Bellingham could do that. Uh, yeah, I'm not arguing with that, but what I'm saying is I don't think Bellingham's the finished article right now. Hmm. I wonder what what people would think. It'd be good for people to uh, to comment on that one. Yeah, I think also as well, like obviously we're from Birmingham. We've seen Bellingham from a kid. You know, you know, being from Birmingham is kind of a you know, we all know about the infamous uh, retiring of the number when he left. Um, Who's laughing there? <laughs> but, you know, like, I think Birmingham City fans and, and people from Birmingham are very interested in, like, how sort of one of our own is progressing in the world. You know, like, as naturally you would be with any player that you've had. You know, Man U fans, when Ronaldo left for Madrid, they, they still followed his career to see how he would become and everything else. Like, some players just have an impact on you. So it'd be good to hear from people who haven't got that kind of rose-tinted spectacles over a player to see what they think of Bellingham. You know, does everyone agree that he is world-class? Do you think that he is the future of England? And I suppose the follow-up question is, if you're the England manager now, do you look to build a team around Jude Bellingham? Yeah. it's a good question. Yeah. So those were... My questions for this week. I think what we'll what we'll try and do like the setup going forward. Obviously, we want we want to we want to have these conversations, these debates, and we you know we want to think of our own topics if we do. But we want to hear from from obviously people listening. Um, what kind of questions do you want us to debate? Do you have a question for us? You know, we know we're not just looking at Premier League teams or international football. You know, we're very much interested in uh, Championship, League One, League Two, like going down the divisions as well. Um, so any questions you've got, anything you want us to debate, drop a note in the comment. We'll read them all and, and then we'll discuss it. And then we'll also look to bring on uh, other guests as well to make the debate a bit more varied, a bit more fun, not so agreeing on every single point as well. So in the future, we're going to have some guests come and join us to continue the conversations. But yeah, um, if, you, if you like this debate, drop a like. Drop us a comment on what you'd like to hear us discuss. Let us know your thoughts on any of the topics that we've discussed. And, yeah, and until then, we'll, we'll speak to you next week. Ben, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you very much. Even it's been a pleasure being on. Even though, you know, you're, you're on every week. Uh, yes. Yeah. Right then, we'll speak to everyone soon.